Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. about what God put in my heart to preach today. Oh, come on. Are we ready for God's word? We've been on this journey over the last three weeks, looking at the life of David. We've been on this journey looking at his biggest failure. I've been thinking about this, like what would David feel like if he knew that for three weeks, a church in Irvine was talking about his greatest failure and learning from it? Along this journey, I've shared with you about my own failure, and I've shared with you the the reality that the pattern of temptation and sin is the same for Adam and Eve, it was for David, it was for me, it is for you. It's the same pattern, and we can all fall to it, and God in his grace and his mercy gives us ways out all along the way. We did that two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about how God, through Jesus Christ, gives us an opportunity to start over, a chance to begin again anew, to get off the splattered ground and have life and life to the fullest. And we talked about how that is only doable through Christ. If David was here today, he would be reading to us Psalm 32, as Aaron did so beautifully. Why? Because this psalm is David's thanksgiving, his his heart of gratitude for what God did for him. Commentators believe this was the psalm that David wrote as a, as a thanksgiving to God out of understanding his brokenness was now healed by Jesus. And he begins with these powerful words, right? Blessed, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. The word for forgiven, the word for covered there in the Hebrew, they, they have powerful meaning to be forgiven is that our sins are carried away transgressions carried away, taken away, far away. As scripture tells us, as far from the east as from the west, that's how far away God sees our transgressions. And then covered, concealed, hidden, to be seen no more. David would want us to know, blessed is the one who God chooses to not see their sin. Now you think about that for a second. God makes a choice to be to not see the sin of ours, to instead see the perfect son that we put our trust in. He sees us that way. You know yourself. I know myself. (laughs) I'm nowhere perfect. I know my thoughts. Imagine that, that God chooses to cover it and hide it and see it no more. Indeed, David would say, blessed is the one. And man, if he was preaching here today, I think he'd get a few amens because that is true. Blessed is the one who is truly forgiven, right? Thank you. You're with me. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Paul said that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, we didn't even have to get right with God first. We didn't have to clean up our mess. We can come to God just as we are. You can come to God just as you are with all of your stuff, and he chooses, he chooses through Jesus Christ to hide your sin. We don't have to clean up our act. 
And I love this quote. It's in um, Eric Geiger's book. We've been doing this series out of his book from Corey Ten Boom. God has thrown our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. He has posted its sign that says, you read it, no fishing allowed. You can't go back and bring that back. When God says it is hidden, it is forgiven, it is carried away, it's done. It's done. Jesus said on the cross, it's done. That work has been done. You don't get to bring that back and give it power. It has no more power. That's what David would want us to know today. Here's my heart for you. All week long, this is kind of like God has been speaking to me. There's so many of us who have accepted that truth. So many of us who have uh, accepted that we are broken, that we need a Savior, that we cannot save ourselves. We have seen the pattern of temptation do damage to our lives and watched as we did damage to others as we fell into those temptations. We've admitted that. We've admitted that Jesus is who he said that he is, that he came to die for those sins. He came to pay the debt that we could never pay. Many of us have accepted the grace. As hard as it is, we accepted the grace of God, that he would cover our sins, that we would hide him away. We've accepted that. But now the question is this, and this is what I want to talk to us today. Are we flourishing as believers? Does our life demonstrate that we really believe this? Are we living in such a way that the gospel is seen, seen, in our very actions. Today, I am deeply grateful for the grace that has given me. Are you living every day deeply grateful as we sang that song, Amazing Grace, that our lives are flourishing? How do we? How do we keep ourselves from falling again? Now, maybe you've never fallen. Maybe you read David's story and you hear my story and you think, well, gosh, you guys are really quite the mess. I agree with you. But I haven't done any of that. I've had a really good life. I, I was a Christian since I was two. I actually know I was born, and I said, Jesus, the minute I was born. <laughs> I'm good. I've been a good person. I'm a pretty good moral person. I've got it right. You, I haven't done those mistakes. Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe today this message for you is don't mess up. Don't let your life go down the drain as we did, as I did, as David did, as many of my brothers and sisters did. If you're that perfect, my goodness, this sermon is for you. You're going to need it. But if you're like me, if you've fallen a little bit, some, a lot, colossal, if you've swan-dived into sin, then you know, you know my feelings, and that is, we don't want to do that again. We want once and for all to live a life that is flourishing under the grace of Jesus Christ. And we want our lives to demonstrate our gratitude for that grace. And we know ourselves, and we know that we carry with ourselves a brokenness that led us there to begin with. We know that there were some things in us that temptation brought us deeper into, Temptation, see, the enemy knows our weakness, and he will hit us there. He will draw us into temptation right in our weak points. Now, once we accept the grace of Jesus, it does not mean that now suddenly that brokenness just disappears. It has to be worked out. You know, Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know what he means by that? With reverence, fear, reverence, trembling with respect for what God has done for you. It means we have to ask God to help us, purify us, cleanse us, renew us, rebuild us, restore us, so that we won't fall again. 
And that's what we're going to look at today. I'm going to give you three ways in my own journey. I've been a believer now since 2003. You do the math. But I've been a believer for a season in my own journey. I don't want to go back. I don't want to do the things that I had done. I want a different way. And this is the way I have looked at how to lead my life and try to flourish in my faith. And you know, it's not something I made up. It's in scripture. It's in David's own psalm. It's in Jesus's words. So we're going to look at God's word and see this is, this is what you can do. This is what I can do that we might all flourish. This week, I heard stories of people who joined Rooted. Rooted just finished this last week. I, I heard people who joined a mentoring program. And in my conversations this week, time and time again, I kept hearing this. I was talking to this person. They're a believer for 20 years. And it seems like just now they're waking up to the reality of the grace they've been given. I'm talking to this other person, and they, they really they trust in Jesus. They have confessed their sins. They've given their lives to Jesus, and they see no fruit in their life, and they're frustrated. And now they're coming to life. And I'm thinking, gosh, if that's you, that, if that's you today, my prayer as you hear these steps that we're going to look at, that you understand this is not a to-do list. If you have um, legalism, PTSD, some post-traumatic disorder from some legalism church or legalism way of doing life where you believe that you have to do certain things to earn your way to God, today I want you to know all these things are about posture. It's changing our posture before God. That leads us into this fruitful life. So today we're going to look at this, and we're going to look at David's own posture and how he models for us what it is to not mess up your lives again. Accept the consequences as we talked last week, but stay, stay fruitful. Stay with the Lord every single step. The first step is just that, to obey. David says, you are my hidden place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs and deliverance. Jesus, I mean, David understood that the very first step to stay in with the Lord and not blow up life again was to stay connected and literally dwell in the house of the Lord. Literally feel like I am surrounded by you, God. Listen to how he says it. You are my hiding place. This is where I go when temptation's coming my way. This is where I go when I have doubt. This is where I go when I have anxiety. This is when I go when I feel like I'm wandering the wrong direction. I place myself back in the hiding place of the Lord. This is consistent with, Dave, with what Jesus said. In John chapter 15, just before Jesus goes to the cross, at that last final supper, when Judas had already left the house, when Judas had already made a decision to um, go and tell on Jesus so that Jesus would ultimately end up going to the cross, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And later he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know what the Greek word behind nothing, the, what it means? Nothing. <laughs> you can do nothing. You must remain in me. And this word remain in me, sometimes you see it um, translated abide, because the Greek word behind it, meno, means Continue to live, stay, dwell, persist. It has this picture of being like in a house, living into. Now you notice David's words, David's choice 
to have God be his hiding place, to be surrounded by God. Jesus calling us, remain in me, dwell in me, abide in me, stay in my place, stay within me, stay close to me. Both of them, Old Testament, New Testament, telling us the same thing. The very first thing we must do, the thing we must do every day, the moment we wake up in the morning, we go, God, I am surrounded by you. I am dwelling in you. I am, I am making my house, no matter what's happening in the world, good, bad, or indifferent, I am making my house you, O oh Lord. I am remaining in you. We begin with that. That is our beginning posture. Verse 7, look at this beautiful picture. Uh, David saying, you're my hiding place. Jesus saying, make me your hiding place. You see the connection is the same. That's the place where we know we can flourish. You want to ask yourself this question. How do I know that I am remaining in Christ? How do I know that I'm dwelling in Christ? There's really one simple answer to that. Are you flourishing in your faith? Does it show by the way you live out your day? You see, because if you're dwelling in Jesus, if you're dwelling in the Lord, if you're letting him surround you, then you're not going to let the doubts, the anxieties, the temptations to get the best out of you. You know, that's a beautiful song that says, I may look, you may, I, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. There's a very good chance that around you, there is all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of struggles that are trying to buy into your heart. There's temptations that are trying to lead you away from the Lord. You say, Scripture says we are, our heart is an idol-making machine. There's things that are constantly competing for your attention for the Lord. But when we make them our house, when we say, God, I'm starting with you, I'm surrounding, I not, even though those things are out there, I'm mostly surrounded by you. There might be a circle of things out there, but this little circle right here, this is Jesus. When you wake up in the morning and you put your feet down, you've heard this said before, the enemy should say, oh, no, that one has woken up and they're standing in Jesus. I know there's usually a worse word said about that one, but I'm not going there. I'm at church, you know? But basically, you put your feet down in the morning and it's like, I'm standing in Jesus. I'm taking every step in Jesus today. I'm, I am going to let God surround me. I'm going to let angels surround me by his presence. That's how I go about my day. That's how I do everything that I do. And it's an effort that we have to make. It's not passive. It's not that you wake up and you sort of happen to be. No, no doubt that God is around you all the time. I'm not saying he's not. But are we aware? Are we making ourselves aware? Are we opening our eyes to see how he is surrounding us? The second point is this. Remember his love. Because here's the thing. You might go, well... <laughs> I don't like the idea of having Jesus being like right that close because if he sees my stuff, then I'm going to get judged. I'm going to get snapped. You know, I don't like Jesus seeing me in the, in the places where I'm not so good. Well, I'll tell you a quick story. My husband got injured by an ATV accident quite a few years ago, and he had to, we had a two-story house at the time. He had to sleep downstairs, and I was taking care of him. And then he finally got better. He was ready to go upstairs to the bedroom and we're moving all his stuff upstairs to get him all settled. And I left a few things under the bathroom uh, counter. Uh, and he one day, when he was in there, he took these things out and he put them on top of the counter, sort of to hint at me, hey, make sure these things get go upstairs as well. I don't know what was happening in my heart that day. Three weeks of taking care of a wonderful man, but boy, needy at the time. <laughs> 
He's not here. <laughs> I obviously had my heart all twisted and bent in the wrong place. Anybody has had their heart twisted in the wrong place sometimes? All right, just, all right, we're together. So I wake up in one of those moods, obviously the wrong attitude. I was not standing in Jesus. I see that stuff, and all I see is my husband's going, you know, you haven't done enough. You got to do this too. And so I decided I was going to give him a piece of my Puerto Rican mind. And he's, yeah, right? You know, he wouldn't like that. But anyway, so he's in the kitchen, and he had a driver driving him around all the places. And we knew the driver was coming so he could go to work. But I went into the kitchen, and I gave him a piece of my mind. I told him, like, what do you It just went on and on. You don't want to hear what I said. It was not nice. Let's just say, while I'm really venting and letting all my emotions out, I sense there's someone behind me. And kind of like for a moment, I pause and I peek over and there's the driver. I was so embarrassed and I just turned around. I looked at Jim. Okay, honey, I love you. Have a good day. (laughs) Kind of like, what was that? And so he leaves in shock, obviously. He doesn't know what just happened, a little bipolar wife. And he leaves and I go upstairs to get ready. And I'm having this moment with God going, God, how embarrassing. I just sort of let my loosen my husband and that man watched me do that and and that's really embarrassing i don't know what he thinks about me and all of a sudden i got this sense god said well i'm watching i saw what you did and if god saw the things you did would you would it immediately bring shame to you would it immediately bring fear but here's the thing if you're in christ jesus There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We must remember his love. While he was making me aware that, hey, I'm always with you, I see, I see, oh, yeah, you were kind of off that morning. Yeah, that wasn't very nice. I remember his love and his grace for me. I was able to apologize to my husband. We tell the story all the time. I call it don't be a llama. You know, llamas, they spit on you all the time. Don't be a llama. That's what I call the story. But but at the same time, I remember the love that I have in Jesus Christ. I remember his love. And that's what David did. Verse 10, he says this. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. So it's not just that we are surrounded by God. It's not just that we're standing on Jesus. We are surrounded by love, not judgment, not harshment, not, not a desire to hurt us, but by love. Listen, when you, I love that Jared mentioned this today. When you know someone who loves you, who cares for you, who's on your back, my husband is like my number one fan. I'm so missing him. He's out of town. He's coming back tomorrow. He's my number one fan. He's here every service. He, every time I speak, he's right there with me. He prays for me before. He prays for me during. He prays for me after. Everything I do, he's like, yeah, go, Ines. You can do it. I know my husband loves me, which means that when he tells me, hey, you got to make some corrections, I know he does it out of love. And that's, that's just my imperfect husband, because I'll tell you, he is wonderful, but he's got a little imperfection. <laughs> but Jesus is perfect. His love is perfect. And when you let him surround you, his love, his love will identify what you need to work on, but only out of love. How do we keep ourselves from blowing it again is we have to be willing to let the love of Jesus come close, which means he is going to fix those things that need to be fixed. You know, those things that led you down the wrong path. 
the things that cause you to take the wrong turns, he's going to want to fix that. I remember when I became a believer, you know, I thought, okay, I'm a believer now. It should be like done. I'm, I'm, I'm a good person now. But man, I had some things I had to work out. First thing, I had to be honest about my story. We talked about that in a few weeks. But then I had to let Jesus work in my heart. First thing he had to work on was my lack of gratitude. I had a problem with gratitude. I didn't pray for a year for gratitude. And boy, he answers those prayers because I chose to surround myself in his love and know that what he had for me was only my best interest. Jesus said this in verse 9. 9 of John chapter 15, as the Father has loved me, that's how I've loved you. Now listen, you can picture how much God loved his son. If you're a parent, how much you love your children. If you're a grandparent, oh my gosh, grandchildren are so much fun. You're just like, it's nothing but love. You don't have to worry about so many things. You're just like, you give them back when it's over. You know, it's like, you just like love them. You love them. You know, that kind of feeling. That's the love God has for his son. That's the love Jesus has for you. It's so wonderful and extravagant and beyond your wildest imagination. If you don't want to mess up again, you've got to let God love you, love you enough to solve some of those things in you that have to be worked on. See, we get to flourish when we, get the, when we let the love of God come into our lives and deal with our broken parts. You know, you have to work out, work out with reverence. You have to ask God, God, what's in me that has to be purified? I remember when I first joined our life group, and I was a fairly new believer, and I just had this sense that God was saying, purify yourself. Pur Before me, I see everything. So listen, don't hide anything anymore. Just, just say it out there. And I thought, well, the best place to start was with our life group. And every week, I would just like reveal one other part of me that I knew I just wanted to like, let it be known so that it had no more power over me. And I, I would tell things to our life group. And finally, one day, one of the members was like, man, you don't have to confess everything to us. <laughs> I said, well, yes, I do. Because if I can't do it with you, then I can't do it at all. I've done it with my heavenly father, but it says confess your sins to one another. I need to be open with you. And you know what? I can live, because I can say this because I know God loves me. When I share my story, it always scares me. Of course it scares me, but I do it knowing that God loves me. When I lean into what he's done for me and I let him work on my broken parts, I do it because he loves me. Are you willing, are you willing to surround yourself by the love of Christ, trust him enough to let him work on that thing that needs to be worked on? Let him work on that thing which leads you back again and again towards temptation towards brokenness. I'm grateful that Jesus loves me enough to want to make me better, make me more like him. It says in scripture, that is his one goal, to make us more and more like him. Are we willing to let him do that? The third place, of course, is to rejoice. Because when we allow God to surround us, when we, when we wake up in the morning, we say, okay, Jesus, you're it. I'm going to dwell in you. And then we let him surround us and he does in his love, then there's nothing left to do but simply to be grateful. Again, that's a posture, a choice that we make. David makes this choice. He says in verse 11, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, sing, all you are upright in heart. 
Rejoice in the Lord. Sing. You know, when you're happy, you can't help but sing. You start whistling, you know? We, we just, you want to put on some music. You want to move the body and do some dancing. I mean, that's what happens when we're happy. David said, rejoice, for you have been saved. Blessed are you whose transgressions have been forgiven. Blessed are you whose sins have been covered. You have no choice now but to sing and to rejoice. And you know what that means for us? It's not just that we go around singing. Uh, you know, because listen, life can throw us some hard punches, can it? It's not like we, we're going around life pretending that it's all good. We're now in Christ and that's it. We're blind to what happens in life. Is that we choose to sing no matter what happens. No matter what's happening in our lives, somehow we find a way to rejoice. That's what Paul tells us in First Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. How many circumstances? All. all circumstances, on the high or the low, all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. The word for will in Greek is thelema. That word means God's desire. God's heart for you is that you would flourish and have reason to rejoice that your life would demonstrate that somehow through Christ, through his love, you can rejoice even when things don't go the way you want it, even when life throws you a few punches. Jesus says at the end of his speech in John 15, he says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Remain in you. That's Remain in me, Jesus says. Dwell in me. It's the only way your joy can be complete. We look for joy. We look for happiness in so many places. And Jesus is saying, there's no other place to go, but only in me. And one way, how do we do this? How do we rejoice? How do we worship and pray in such a way that the joy shows is we have to tell our stories. We've modeled for you this, these next last three weeks. Shane's story, when he told his story of how God took him out of uh, pornography addiction and now bring him to life. We've heard the story of David, David blowing it up in colossal fashion, God coming to him, and he asking God for forgiveness, and God forgiving him, and him giving thanks. I've showed, told you my story. I've told you more stuff than you wanted to know about my story, and now I've showed you how now I can rejoice in that, why I can stand here. Some of you have said to me, why, wow, that's so brave that you can do that. I can't believe you are so like honest about your story. Listen, that's my way of rejoicing in what God has done for me. When we tell our story, we are worshiping God. We are saying this is who God is. We can only do so because we believe in the grace that he has given us. And so when you tell your story, you are worshiping. When you care for the poor, you are worshiping. When you love others the way Jesus loves you, you are worshiping. When you, when you are honest with your junk, when you work out, when you ask God to work in your heart, you are worshiping. Because what you're saying with every one of those acts, what you're saying is, God, I believe you are who you say that you are. I trust that you love me. I trust that you have paid for my sins. And therefore, I can live life to the fullest. No holding back. And others will look at you and think, you are so courageous. You are so brave. It's like, no, you don't understand. I am simply grateful. Anyone else grateful with me this morning? Amen. Oh, you make some noise today. Come on, let's thank the Lord. When we worship the Lord, we're saying thank you. And again, this is in Hebrews chapter 4. 
the writer of Hebrews trying to remind the people, don't be like the Israelites who somehow lost their way and they did not, did not hold. They went into the land and they started to worship other idols. Don't be like them. He says, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Let us hold firmly. Let's read that together. Let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. He tells them, don't be like the Israelites. Don't fall again. I mean, I remember reading the story of the Old Testament, watching the story of the Israelites, thinking, what is the matter with these people? They're like, they got it right, and then they, got, they lost it again, and it, Jesus and God did all these great things for them, but they just kept falling again and again. Well, you and I, we can be that way. We can be saved like for Christ. We can be given life through him, and yet we just go back to our old ways. We don't work out what is causing in me to go back there again and again. You find yourself in the same road. Listen, that means you've got to work that out with Jesus. At Mariners, we have so many ways for you to do so. Not only do we care about you being in groups, that's why it's so important that you're either in rooted or in a life group or in a serious group. You need to be in circles, a small group of people where you can be honest about your stuff. And then we have care and recovery, wonderful ministry with all kinds of programs for you to be in community with others who are trying to work out their stuff who are trying to find healing, find comfort, find new life, new ways of being. What? In which way? In the love of Jesus Christ. In that love, we can be honest. We can look in. How many of us are walking around, hiding in our hearts, not wanting to deal with what brings us and what makes us do the things that we do? We have to ask ourselves, how are we holding firmly to the faith? Can we, can we put ourselves in that place we hold firmly to it. So there you go, three steps. One is a posture of believing and, and positioning ourselves from the very, morning, very first step in the morning that we are surrounded by God. Not just surrounded by God, but surrounded by God's love, remembering that. And the third, rejoicing, worshiping, praying to the Lord, and thanking Him for everything He does for us every single step of the day. We're about to start the Thanksgiving week all week long, we're going to be preparing for this meal where we gather together out of thanksgiving. What if this thanksgiving was different for you because you are rejoicing in the Lord? Yeah, you have things to be thankful for, your family, the food you're going to eat, your house, your health, all kinds of things to be thankful for. But what if we, this week you were simply thankful for the joy and the goodness of God? what he has done in your life, and what he can do if you let him, if you let him in. And the thing is, we have to be careful who we listen to. Because I don't know about you, but when we, when we try to be faithful in our faith, there's all kinds of competing voices in our lives. And the enemy wants to do nothing but destroy it. I love that David deals with that right there in verse 8 of his psalm. He says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. This is a promise of God. Can we read that together? I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Who does not want a loving counselor? Who doesn't want God to lovingly guide us along the way? It is that which is going to lead us to a flourishing and then there's a chance that in his loving way, he might have to correct us like he did for me when I was not so nice to my sweet husband. 
And that discipline is not discipline out of hate or malice or even brokenness, but simply out of love. And I love that Hebrews reminds us of that. He says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but yeah, it's painful, right? But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace, shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. When we let God work in our lives, when we listen to him, let him guide him and only him, then you and I can flourish in our faith. And that means you will not spend 20 years going to church or doing things, trying to earn your way and not get it and not see the grace of God. And if somehow in my attempt to, um, you know, do the best I can is preparing this message, if somehow you haven't been convinced, I pray that this time of response is a sweet, sweet time between you and God. That is God who speaks to us. David's words so match with what Jesus was teaching, right? And that just shows you these are the words of God speaking to each and every one of us. I love that John Newton said this, although my memory is fading, I remember two things. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. What if that's it, right? What if that's it? So would you stand as we respond? Father, I pray that this time of response, as we go to the various stations in this room, would you speak to us? Father, would you surround us in such a way that we feel your love? Each and every one of us, Father, we need to. We need you. We need to lean on you. We need to hear you. So, Father, would you speak to us through every station, whether we're confessing our sins on the cross or lighting a candle or giving in the offering boxes, whether we're praying with a brother or a sister, whether we're taking communion, each of these spaces, oh God, inhabit our time. Speak, oh Lord, our children, your children. We're listening. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go and respond. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again.